Mono Rant, a podcast where we rant about the highs and lows of nerdy shows, movies, and pop culture in general, like our opinions actually matter. I'm one of your hosts in Jack of All Trades, Mono, and this is my co-host and master of none, Kira. Hello! This week, we'll mostly be ranting about Amazon superheroes, The Boys, and we'll kick things off with Season 1's Episode 1, The Name of the Game. We'll be talking about the original comics and possibly referencing later episodes of the show too, so spoilers ahead for both. So, Kira, what do we think of the boys? Episode one or the show in general so Just far? Just the show in as general. A, as of time of recording, there's two full seasons out. I think we've watched both seasons about eight billion times because <laughs> that happened. Uh, loving it. Yeah. Big, big fan of the comics. Read that we got the comic books originally when I think they were like six trades out. Yeah, there was a couple of trades out. At that point, but it was still running. Yeah. So yeah, long-term fans of the the comics, um, were super excited when the show was announced. We back did. We twenty sixteen or seventeen. Oh, we used to talk about like we used to play castings. dream casting for that and preacher, and to have both shows be made. Yeah, is I a mean, dream come true. It is, and um, in particular, having Eric Kripke at the helm because we're both big. Supernatural fans, fans as well. Yeah. And having Eric Kripke in there and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who already did really good work on Preacher. It was just, it was a recipe I for am, this. Oh. I am quite happy that they did Preacher first. As much as I adore the comic books, I don't think it translated as well. And I think they learned a lot from that to take into The Boys. Yeah, I certainly think The Boys is the better show. It is, yeah. Two. Like, I don't get me wrong, the first season of Preacher is amazing. I it. Yeah, Cassidy's introduction. Yeah. Um, at the in particular, the introduction. But I think it was a nice stepping stone into the boys, and yeah, and as as out there as the boys is, it's still more realistic than the preacher. <laughs> well, more grounded. Yeah, certainly more grounded. Yeah. So, in terms of the first episode, it's the name of the game. As we said already, the showrunner is Eric Kripke from Supernatural and a few other things, but mostly Supernatural is what everybody Mm. knows him from, and based on the comic by Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson. Yeah. Can I just point out, the artwork in that is beautiful. Yeah, no, I do like Derek's artwork. It is just Um, so pretty. Sometimes he can be a bit hit and miss in the early issues, but... Sometimes the faces can be really, really funny. Yeah. Especially anytime Queen Maeve is like face on look with her like stank face. It is pretty funny looking. But overall it is gorgeous. Yeah. And the show itself also. Beautiful. A beautiful looking show. Director for this episode was Dan Trachtenberg who directed 10 Cloverfield Lane and I think a couple episodes of Black Mirror. This episode written by Kripke and the suits I think we have to to put in a special mention, the super suits designed by Laura Jean Shannon. My God, I could literally do an entire podcast about the suits, the costuming in general. I love it. You've heard me go on I'm sure for there, days. There will be an extended uh, podcast <laughs> issue somewhere along the way that's probably just about the costuming. I, it's it is. Oh, no, it's so excellent. good. And the more you look at it, better it gets it's well worth going to her instagram i think it's lj supersuits because mm. she's a lot of the concept art up there and just oh they're stunning they are excellent so as i said first episode is the name of the game which is also the first 
trade of the comics mm-hmm. and covers a lot of the same ground. Um, I suppose a quick synopsis of the episode is in order. Yeah. So uh, we are introduced to the, the Vought world and its superheroes. Well, the Vought Corporation and its superheroes in the first episode. And we're also introduced to Huey, whose girlfriend gets... Ah, I mean, how would you describe it? A tragic end. <laughs> yeah, let's just say his girlfriend gets killed for the minute by a superhero. And he gets approached by Billy Butcher, who says he's a fed that keeps the superheroes in line when they get a bit too big for their britches. <laughs> it, it, yeah, they open it out as kind of your classic vengeance, re- revenge kind of story. He's been wronged by the soups. Yeah, and Billy shows up as as a way as a means for him yeah. to to get his his revenge. That was a, a rambling, <laughs> just a little bit. But you're dropped basically into the world as as a whole. It already exists and is fully realized. There's advertising, print media. It's part of day to day culture that superheroes are a thing. It's not this new shiny thing. They've already they're well established within yeah. this. Well, universe. the first the first scene in in the show sets that up perfectly well with mm. the two kids crossing the street talking about deep versus translucent. Oh and yeah, who who would win? Oh yeah, yeah, um, a shark getting a shark to bite translucent's dick off. Yeah, and as they're having this conversation, uh, a armored uh, yeah, an armored it's, yeah, it's car. like a Brinks armored like money transport van thing. Yeah, is barreling down the street, getting chased by Queen Maeve, and as we find out, then Homelander. So yeah, you see, it, it's a well, world it's also being chased by the cops. Like yeah. it, the cops are like doing are the main like pursuance, and they the you kind of very much get the impression that Maeve just drops in. Yeah. <laughs> After some extensive property damage. Yeah, the little wall run where you see you're running across she the windows. She ruins your one's windows! <laughs> well, look, property damage and superheroes go hand in hand. I know, but it does. It really bothers me. <laughs> but as to what you were saying, yeah, this is this is a world where superheroes are the norm. The yeah. two kids are chatting about which movie they prefer, which superhero prefer. There's advertising on like the buses that are going past and up on the walls. And then real life superheroes appear mm. and do real life superhero shit. But it, it the way it's set up is it's this general nonchalance about them. It's not like they're only around for like 50 years and you might not see one. Like it has very much just become, they are the celebrities. They are. Yeah. There's um like an almost an ennui about them in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It's just, this is the, the way things are. Like, yeah. The, the opening shots or say the opening scene as well, we have that beautiful shot of Maeve oh, stopping, stopping the, the truck. truck. And it's just... I also like so the perfectly. fact that the first in-world superhero that you see interacting with anybody is Queen Maeve. Yeah. Because it's like straight from the get-go, they're like, boom, here's a strong female character. Yeah. You know, and not only, she's not stopping the truck with like any sort of like fancy lasers or anything she literally stands in yeah. front of it yeah. and destroys it she's just like yep yeah, stop yeet and that shot it took a quite a while to do as well I believe of her panning but they panning actually yeah. they actually slammed a truck into a pole <laughs> and like had a truck on a, a oh on the a, cable system on the cable yeah, system yeah, yeah. slammed it into a pole at high speed and then CG'd out the pole and CG'd, CG'd in her Maeve. and then 
did the shots of like the oh the everything coming and all past the, the or her going through the it. engine yeah they did that shot then separate as well but oh, I it, it paid off oh yeah that's it's beautiful such a beautiful I just like Richard like hi I do wish because Dominique yes yeah, Dominique McGilligan 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 I'm gonna butcher it um, even being Irish we're still gonna butcher her name yeah, yeah. she's from Cork yeah I kind of wish they'd let her use. Like a, a slightly thicker Cork accent. Because I think that would have been as, really funny. As far as that would have been, <laughs> it, it probably would have detracted a little bit because, yeah, she's supposed to be like this big Celtic queen. Yeah. But she's from like the Rust Belt in America. Oh, she is. The character, like. So to have her no, like, being be, actually uh, that's Irish. That's my own would... fault because in the, the comic book, she is Irish. Yeah, yeah. There's, the stuff, that's why they sent Lanny Cock off to. to yeah. The, but I forgot that around. they've actually changed it in in the boys that she is from yeah, the she's like mid, Midwest. But you don't find that out till like season two or so. But you also we get our first hint of um, just how kind of little the superheroes care as well. Oh, could not give two Homelander fucks. Throwing one of the bank robbers that straight up into the air. That is amazing. Like, cause he comes in and he's doing his like superhero, like Superman coming yeah, out the sun the kind of. La- yeah, it's flags fluttering behind him, and he's like already melted some guy's gun and they're surrendering and he's like don't care and he just picks your man up and just tosses him yeah absolutely no care to where he might land or whatever happens like when he lands on the car not, like fuck we all the pedestrians we don't even know there might have been somebody in that car <laughs> that, that, yeah that is great though because he just turns around he does not give a shit because the kids are asking him for a fucking selfie yeah and as he's chatting with his kids this guy just lands in a car like fucking 50 feet away yeah, it's a very it, satisfying squelch, by the way. It seems like nobody's particularly concerned. No, they're just like, oh yeah, that happens here. Photos, yay! Like it is, it is a really fucked up commentary on our society <laughs> as a whole. Like that, it's yeah, we could like could not give two shits about what happened to these people. No, and it is. It's it's a great opening scene for setting. Right, this is the world we're in. Yeah. It's similar to our own, but. Superheroes actually exist, and but they are the biggest celebrities treat them out there. the way, yeah, and like could not care that they are committing these like really, really heinous acts. Like he could have like easily arrested him. No, he decided no. to turn him into a human pancake, yeah, and ruin some guy's day by coming out and finding a body on his car. <laughs> As I said, if he was lucky enough to not be in the car when it yeah. happened, this is remember I, I was talking about this during the uh, when we were actually watching the episode, and I was giving out about the the co- having to actually functionally live in this world. Your insurance premiums <laughs> must be insane. Do you have superhero insurance? Does this is this a thing, or are they technically classed as acts of God? I reckon they'd be classed as acts of God, just because insurance companies. Yeah. Well, no, just insurance companies <laughs> will any, use any excuse to not pay it. Yeah, true. You know, so and Vaught take the line that these are you know God given powers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, insurance companies would be like, no, no, act, act of God, God. sorry, <laughs> not paying out for that. So I suppose we should probably talk about the, the the bit that everybody talks about in the first episode. Yeah. Our introduction to Huey and then Robin. Yeah. Poor, poor Robin. Poor Robin. In the comic books originally, Huey is Scottish. He's modelled on Simon Pegg. Who plays Huey's father in the show. Yeah, that was always whenever we used to play Dreamcast in college. Yeah, Simon Pegg Peg was obviously was always, Huey. Yeah. But he's, yeah, he's too old to be wee Huey now. Um, he's old, but... They've also transplanted it from Scotland to New York. Yeah. 
and based it in Brooklyn. But it is, you get your introduction to Huey, you know, early 20s, tall, average, a ner- little bit nerdy, shy, Shy meek, yeah, afraid to ask his manager for a raise. Played magnificently. Yeah, by Jack Quaid. Oh, fabulous. He is, yeah, no, he's excellent. Not somebody I would have ever picked for Huey. No. Well, uh, my, my just only... Just perfect for the role. Kind of knowledge of him was The Hunger Games. And he plays an absolute dickhead in that. So well, I'd not even seen that. Never, I'd yeah. never actually seen him in anything. I was aware he was in the Hunger Games, and like when when the castings were being announced for the show, I was going, "Ooh, who's that?" Looking them up. "Ooh, who's that?" Look. If I didn't yeah. know them, because basically the only person I knew from the casting was Carl Urban. And I adore him seriously. You know? Like from Pitch Black. No, he's not Pitch Black. He's in Riddick. Yeah, Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. Doom. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Doom is definitely a guilty pleasure of ours. <laughs> like I. Uh, to him being dread in, in dread, yeah, he just, just and he oh, magnificent was in that. very, 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 very excited about him being butcher. Yeah, you know, and he, again, he and well, well, everybody after, in the show plays like, the roles so Thor well. Ragnarok as well, scourge, yeah, yeah, with the shake weight, yeah, uh, <laughs> got it in a little place called Texas, yes. So he introduced Huey and his girlfriend Robin comes to meet him in the store and they go off for lunch. After discussing euphemisms for sex versus taking a shit. <laughs> and they they're are, discussing moving in together yeah, and continuing their relationship. Sweet. And it is. It is adorable. I also want her dungarees quite badly. Um, Not but it after is, what happens to them. No. No. <laughs> no. I need some of that metallo fabric. Yeah. Yeah. He never loses his pants. So as, as they're discussing moving in together and Robin says she doesn't want to you know, quietly have sex in her dad in his dad's place. Staring up, up at Billy that Joel poster. And, and we've all done that. We've all had to do that at some point. And if you haven't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but yeah, as we said, we watched the show a couple of times and it's gotten to the stage now where every time the words Billy Joel come out of Robin's mouth, I'm like, oh yeah, here it comes. Here it comes. And moments later. There's a very small, it's actually a, a sped up Train noise. Train going past. Which I just had never little, noticed until you pointed out. Yeah, it's just a little... Yeah. And then Robin isn't there anymore. Yeah, and we see a beautiful shot that took eight months to make. It is gorgeous, <laughs> though. Robin all over the place. Yeah, she was everywhere. Suspended in the air. And then yeah. when it returns to, to normal speed, uh, she just drops to the ground in slop. And we see a train She's standing there covered in blood. gone. He runs straight through her. He literally runs completely through her and uh, she turns into a human water balloon. Yeah. It's the only way to describe it. Um, yeah. I it's I have to say that shot is magnificent. In, if you've not read the comic books, in the comic books he actually runs her into a brick wall. Well, he throws a supervillain at her. Yeah, and, and it's the supervillain. Same thing, he's left standing there with the arms. But she's but, splattered all over the wall and it is actually far more graphic and upsetting because you can still like make out her face and everything. Whereas yeah. in this, she is gone entirely except for maybe like a hand. Oh, no. Well, her hands and then like a couple of identifiable pieces of bone if you know your anatomy. <laughs> and both are played for shock value. Yes. And both are very shocking, but... Yeah, I think I do. I prefer how it's done in the show. Yeah. So he just A Train's just like I cannot stop. He's got a duffel bag, um, and he's co- obviously he's covered in gore, and then he just takes off and he leaves Huey just stood in the street holding Robin's hands, covered in blood, just Screaming losing his yeah. shit. 
so that's that's within like the first ten minutes of the yeah. show, like, and then yeah, we get we get a little bit of a break and we're introduced to our, our third character, well fourth I suppose, Maeve Homelander, Huey, and mm. then Annie, who is a Des Moines kind of low tier superhero. Yeah, who we find like, out trying out for the seven. Yeah, she's a, a very much kind of girl next door. She's tiny. She's blonde. She's got super strength, which is awesome because she's like bench pressing a car. Yeah. And um, this this is one of those things where having the foreknowledge of the comics allowed us to really appreciate a small detail in the show, which was the choice of Barracuda. Oh, you also have to know the history of Barracuda. But yeah, if you know what the song is about as well. Well, even the, the lyrics they choose are the, the you've got me down, down, down on my knees, mm. don't you, Barracuda. And if you know what's going to come with Annie, it's a very literal foreshadowing of the fact that oh. she's going to get... Do you not remember watching this? We, for a little bit of context, we actually have a projector in our house. So we essentially get to watch everything on a fairly large screen. So it is, it very much gives us a cinema feeling. But when we were watching this, I think we were sat down and we had like crisps and soda. And we're like, we were prepared. This was an event. Oh, yeah. The first time watching the very first episode of this. And a second that car that song starts and we realized who it was i think you like lost it and there was like popcorn everywhere and like cats were running out of the room terrified because <laughs> it is it was so perfect it was the perfect choice of music to go with that scene yeah and it just for, tells you everything you need to for know for a number of reasons as well because yeah. as i said obviously the choice of lyrics foreshadows what's going to happen to annie with the deep but also the larger song is about it, it it shatters her whole art. Yeah, the larger song is about a record producer asking the lead singer and songwriter of Heart, I can't remember her name, to kind of les it up on stage a little bit. With, with her, her sister? Yeah, with the other guitarist, who happens to be her sister. Yeah. So like, it's it's the song is all about, like, you know, putting a fake image out there, basically, to sell more. And that's obviously something that's really important in the show at large. Like, mm. So, yeah, that, that was just... A, a chef's kiss choice of yeah. song to, to introduce us to Annie but it's yeah you're introduced to a very it's a, basically a, a montage of her like kind of mourning her routine her mom yeah we get introduced to her mom we see her try her tryout tape for the seven yeah which is very sweet like she's being interviewed it's very much a Miss America pageant and um, she comes across as being extremely naive Mm. Um, she's very very religious she's like you know good Christian moral values but they, they, you get the idea that it's, she's very much this sweet young thing who's the innocent of mm. the story yeah and she says it herself in her, in her audition yeah. tape you know when did hopeful and naive become, become the, the same, same thing. thing but yeah they do I've... she just wants to save the world she wants to do good that is the very essence of who she is as a person. Yeah, she's kind of both of those things. Yeah. She's both hopeful and naive. Well, she's extremely sheltered as you, well. You get in that in just that like two or three minute scene, not even, you get such a good idea of who this character is. Mm. It's so well put across in such a short time. Oh, all um, of them. All of the introductory sequences, I think, really... Kripke does that very, very well. Mm. He's like, here it is, like immediately from the very start of the show it's like you're full on in this environment you accept it entirely you accept these people as being well-rounded characters with backgrounds and lives and things like that yeah and he's very very good at having that you know uh, that's why supernatural ran for so fucking long because off the very yeah, first he, episode five seasons yeah but, but yeah. 
after the very first episode, you knew exactly who these characters were. Mm. And he's very, very good at that. Yeah, no, the, the, and the first a, episode is just, it, it's, it's a masterclass in, in world building, yeah. in character introductions and in world introductions and, mm. and, and just... Oh, Especially yeah, because the cast, it is, it is a large cast. So to have... It's a each, very large cast, yeah. in fairness. Uh, but each character is completely believable. And uh, speaking of Annie mm. January, Starlight being played excellently again by Erin Moriarty. I love her who surname. I haven't seen. <laughs> it's great surname. Again, I hadn't seen her in anything, no. but she's excellent in this show. She's she also the tiniest such... human being I've ever seen. <laughs> but yeah, no, she just oh, she's so good. So then we're treated to, I think our, our first, well, probably not our first Easter egg, but a big Easter egg in the form of. Huey's dad being Simon Pegg yeah. in the next scene and yeah, yeah that it was comes back nice to New York nod. it's after Robin's funeral yeah um, they've just arrived back to the house obviously it's a very somber mood mm. and, and and yeah and again a scene just kind of placed in there to show us a, a little bit more about Huey but also we get to see just the sleaziness of Voss yeah when their lawyer shows up offering Huey hush money, and <laughs> basically. No, the best bit about that entire scene is now we know you weren't married. So this yeah, is so we don't very have mu- to do we this. don't have to do this. This is very much a cursory, but if you sign this NDA, we'll give you 45 grand. And just, it's so matter of fact that you know that this is all this guy spends his day doing is he goes around and he pays people not to talk about their loved ones or like people who are crippled by superheroes. They are, they are just covering up all of this shit and they're just paying out hundreds of millions of dollars annually to shut people up. And we've already seen a bit of the spin because before the Vought lawyer comes in, there's the news report where A-Train is is saying how sorry he is. I was... I was chasing bank robbers and she stepped off the street and I didn't have time to stop. And I think my just... favorite thing about that whole thing is um, Ashley. She's director of superhero relations. She yeah. did actually get introduced to her later on in the episode. But yeah. she is in the background of that shot and she is just giving him like mom at an event staring at her children. You know, that evil death glare. It's like Irish stay mammy. On, stay on script glare. Yeah. Basically. It's the one where she's smiling, but she's actually threatening you with her teeth clenched. <laughs> it's that. Look, it's amazing. But the little things like that as well, they're just, you know. But yeah. They, yeah, they slowly start to build a picture for you of between Homelander firing the guy off to the side and not caring and then very quickly being happy to take it. And doing it on camera. It's not even like he tried to hide it. Like yeah. he knew people were Oh yeah, because the, the, that's how it transitions to the next scene with Huey is the news report of Homelander and Maeve having just stopped this yeah. guy. So yeah, we're starting to get this picture built up around of, of how Vought are just Actually, the transitional, everywhere. just when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, the transitional shots that they use in this are amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, they are... Very well done. Yeah, <laughs> it's just every aspect of the show. I, I mean, like I know we're brown nosing, but every aspect of the show <laughs> is just so good. So I will. Ready. I'll try. I'll try and find things to bitch about. Like, but you know, yeah. I didn't make a decide to make a boys podcast because I hate the show. So, no, like, I love the there's show. Go, there's going to be a lot of brown nosing. Just, just deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get a couple more Easter eggs actually in the next scene as well that you were quick to spot when Annie gets the call 
to say that she's been accepted into the seven. Oh, the glasses. The glass that she's drinking milk from. It's like an 80s, an old 80s like printed logo glass of the deep where it's in the comic book hero style. But yeah. Like everybody has those glasses real. in their house like that all you got for more. free. Yeah, the, like, some something printed yeah. on the back. And she mentions, or Annie, sorry, mentions that she thinks she won't get into the seven because the Countess also applied. And oh, they, the Crimson Countess. Yeah, which is a nod to the Crimson Countess from the comics, which is the Scarlet Witch stand-in. Yeah. Who does show up in the comics later on, and I believe is to show up in season three of the show. So yeah, we kind of cut back and forth between Annie and Huey's storylines. Yeah. Well, scene by scene, but also obviously. Yeah. Well, that Annie does paint. Annie finds out through a phone call. She she gets into the seven. You also see a little bit of just how controlling her mother is. When she answers the phone. When she answers this is the her phone, mother. Yeah, she's like, "Yes, this is her mother. No, you can talk to me." Like, and she seems very um, annoyed that Annie has to take the phone call. She's also you get a little bit of the controlling aspect. Because Annie's making herself pasta or something to eat. I don't know what it is. She's making herself I something. I thought it was beans. And the mother reprimands her on it. Yeah. She's, oh, Annie. And she's like, but I'm hungry. Like, And it's it. there's just something a little bit off about it. Also, the mother is... Um, a Cusack. Cusack. Yeah, <laughs> I've completely forgotten which one she is. She's not Joan. She's the other sister. Yeah. Anne? Uh, yeah, I want to say Anne Cusack. I want to say Anne, yeah. And she's amazing, actually. She plays really, really well. Yeah, she shows up in kind of, what, five or six episodes, three yeah. or two seasons so far. And yeah, she's she's a she's a she, really fun character. Well, she's a bitch, but... <laughs> yeah, she plays it magnificently. Yeah. But yeah, there's a nice kind of those couple of scenes there where they're cutting back and forth between Annie oh, the and parallels. Huey. The, yeah, his life is to, like taking a descent, whereas hers is on the uptick. Like, he's yeah. just lost his girlfriend and his whole future she's made it into the seven and is living her dream and is going to New York to be introduced. And, you know, this is like everything she's ever wanted in her life. Yeah. It's like all of her dreams are coming true. Whereas for Huey, he's just lost the love of his life and his entire future. And it, it's the, the dichotomy works really, really well. Yeah. And we cut back then to, we see Huey kind of on a mission to, Sue A train or yeah, hold them accountable in some so, way. Some form of civil suit. And dad decides to really just <laughs> oh, let it's him harsh. Have it. It's really like harsh. it is like it is done with love, but it oh like right in the feels. But yeah, tries to convince him to take the money because he doesn't have the fight to take on yeah. a, a large corporation. Like they'll just and bury him. Huey Huey doesn't want to hear it. And that's the end of that scene. We go back to Starlight then in New York. Oh, in the limo. In the limo about to be... Introduced to the void shareholders meeting. And that shareholder meeting, it's just excellent. It's so... It's your introduction to Madeline Stilwell, who is a phenomenal character in this. Yeah, she's like a really important character throughout Very all nice of season one. Very nice that they gender flipped her as well. Yeah, in the comics, that's because that James added a whole. Stilwell. Yeah, because also doing that has added a whole new layer of. Yeah, yeah, James. <laughs> in the comics, he's just a, a kind of like corporate stoic corporate, you know, company first guy. Very much like what Edgar ends up being in season yeah. two of the show. Stillwell gives just, it this yeah, extra sensual, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oedipal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Lo- yeah. But we'll get onto that in an she episode did, or two. Uh, yeah. Um, just But fantastic. the shareholder meeting itself, it's just 
so it's full of just such corporate buzzwords and you know what I mean it's, it's ripped straight out of, of the modern corporate world Yeah, it really is and as much as this show is a send up of superhero films and superhero shows it's as much a satire and a parody of celebrity worship and you know yeah corporate giant the corporate corporations world. yeah that control everything the show being produced by one, one yeah <laughs> hey, look, which uh, yeah is giving me like weird conflict issues hey look at least we got the boys yeah <laughs> that's why I have weird conflict issues um, um and we get I love Ashley's little bit of of two not two-facedness but again you just you see the veneer dropping when she's talking to Starlight before she sends her on stage and she's talking to Starlight about her introduction video. Yeah. Uh, or her, sorry, her audition her, video. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, the way you played that really, really humble, really fucking smart choice. And she's like, well, I meant it. And Ashley's like, oh, and that's why we love you. No, she goes, yeah, we know. And that's why we love you. But it, you just see the cynicism from Ashley immediately. And the, yeah, it's just like, why was it Bill Hicks? If you're in marketing, kill yourself. Like that's marketing the, or advertising. Yeah, that's exactly the, like who he was talking about in that because that's all she cares about is is your points and you're up this or you're down that. Yeah, so we were also very briefly introduced to the Deep, who's brought on stage at the end of the shareholder meeting to introduce Starlight with his saggy crotch wetsuit. Yeah, his saggy crotch wetsuit. <laughs> the deep again played just so well by James Chase Crawford. Crawford. Yeah, he's brought on. It's like, oh, here's the it's the corporate shareholder meeting. So they are like, here's one of the things that yeah, obviously here's the you're new... making profit off of. Yeah, because they are talking about their film revenue. Um, it it goes through. Oh, we get a G men mention because yeah. it's G men World War or something like that, or G men Civil War yeah. grossed one point seven billion. Yeah, they're going through all their revenue, and so it's like, here's one of you know your cash cows. Here's your new cash cow, who looks terrified, and she's there in like her homemade costume that's like cheap fabric. <laughs> yeah, like uh, next to the deep in his like custom getup, and she just she's like very much deer in the headlights. Like she's smiling, but at the same time behind the eyes, you can see her going, "Oh my fucking god!" Like and. As, but even still, as her and world, that's her whole introduction. Then she's like whipped off. Yeah, as her world is getting better and better, we see Huey's get worse and worse when he freaks out in the store, surrounded by all the A train. Oh yeah, he starts to have a panic attack. Um, all the A train merchandise. There's like A train speeding bullet ale and frosted A train. It, well, it's all his sponsorship shit, and like he's on the covers of all the magazines. And yeah. we actually went back through that scene, and there is not any other. Superhero, yeah, it's all A Train. It's all A Train, which is a very nice touch. That that's all he can focus on. Yeah, you know he can't see anything. But... The only thing is that that cat should have that bodega should have had a cat. <laughs> it did. It's supposed to be in New York. Bodegas have cats. I'd have appreciated a kitty in that bodega. Yeah, and then of course I suppose the other, well, the other big scene <laughs> or big shock moment of the show, where things start to turn for Annie. And uh, the deep more or less forces himself on her. Well, he takes her up. They they brought into like she's introduced into like the main. Um, the the Terra DeVos HQ. Yeah, they live there. They work there. It's basically a giant frat house and a corporation in one. Like they don't, their assets are not allowed to live off site. Well, not the seven anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. The seven live but off in up the in the tower. tower. 
like brings her into the main room where they have like their big impressive table with their big impressive chairs and shows her all like the mad crap that they have and she made he's like oh yeah we have four satellites and she's like wow I was working with the police scanner I got off eBay yeah you know and like she's completely overawed and he's very very aware of this and decides to well, it's, for, not force himself on her, but just basically manipulate her. Oh, he totally manipulates. Yeah, the but it's like the second the second he hears that she had a, a crush, crush on him. On him, it's like right pants down, lad out. Like, oh yeah, like she's like she literally away. says the way the camera pans round is like it's on her face when she's talking about it and you can't see him in shot at all. And when it cuts back to him, it's a view from behind and he's just got his pants like half. He hasn't even taken them off the whole way. They're like just halfway down his like thighs. And yeah. he has a weird tan line, which I don't understand. That's another Easter egg. That's that's basically oh, a straight out of the, the panel from the comics where Homelander does that. Yeah, and he's got the little like tidy whitey tan line. It is probably, it was definitely worth mentioning. Oh, in, it's the three of them in the comic in the book. Comics, it's, it's him, it's, the Deep and Jack from Jupiter. No, it's Deep... Sorry, it's Homelander, A-Train, and Black Noir um, in the comics for themselves on that. Oh, I thought it was Jack from Jupiter. No. And it's played more or less for laughs in the comics. Yeah. That, and it's, yeah. it's Homelander who does it as well. Yeah. And I nearly every change they made was for the better. Yeah. Keeping Homelander out of the situation was good. Mm. Keeping A-Train out of the situation was good because we've already got enough reason to dislike A-Train. Yeah. And... As I said in the comics, it is kind of played for laughs. Like, as much as I love Garth Ennis, he is kind of king of the edge lords when it comes to the comics. And yeah, it's 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 like reading back over it now, it is a bit like <laughs> Yeah. Whereas in the show, it is totally done as this the deep is just completely manipulating the situation. Yeah. He's not it's very, say, he's it's not very, forcing himself on her, but he's not really leaving her many other options that don't completely yeah, ruin he's her back, life. Yeah, he's backing her into a corner. And he is so, so incredibly manipulative about it. Like, oh, he's such a dick. And yeah, he's such an incredible, just opportunistic dick as well. Yeah. And he's got big, big, like, that fucking frat bro, Brock Yeah, like, I'm name. number two. Yeah. He's like, my dad owns a dealership. He's got big that energy. Yeah. Uh, where now, he's like, he's literally just like, you kind of get the impression that this is his whole life and this is what he does. And yeah. just by being who he is, he can get anything, like all the girls. So yeah, he sees, he sees up, nothing wrong with what he's doing. Fight, you know? Yeah. As he says, like, it's only a few minutes. What's the big deal? It's only two <laughs> or three minutes of yeah, pole smoking. Just... <laughs> yeah, it's not... Okay, yeah, there is one or two little light gags in it, but the scene is not played for laughs at no. all. No, it's um, not. It's handled. I mean, I feel like a bit of an ass. I'm a guy talking about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, they do They do deal with it quite well. Um, Like, they obviously, it is It is uncomfortable to watch, but it is supposed to be uncomfortable. But it makes what happens later in the season that the... There is a lot of follow-on. Oh from yeah, this it leads on sequence. to a couple of things for both Annie and the Deep. But it, given current real-world events and the Me Too movement, mm. it is done in a very, very sympathetic and effective manner. Yeah. Manner. So then we get our third TV spot, which is Jimmy Fallon interviewing Translucent, who's a new superhero made for the show. 
Um, he replaced Jack from Jupiter from the comics, and I understand why. If for no other reason than they didn't want to have a, a fully CG character. Yeah, Jack. Jack from Jupiter is small and orange. Yeah, um, <laughs> translucent is able to turn himself invisible, and he's bulletproof. And Jimmy Fallon introduces him by saying that he stopped a home, home invasion. invasion in Yonkers. <laughs> of a single mother? Yeah, so we reckon it's like, how would he stop a home invasion unless he was already there? Oh, and to be invisible, he has to be uh, completely naked because it's only his skin that's affected. He yeah. makes a point of saying that it's his skin is some sort of like carbon style material mm. that bends the light around it. So he essentially is like stealth technology. Yeah. Um. But the point is made that in order to be completely invisible, he has to be book ass naked. Yeah. So we reckon he was like up in a tree perving on this single mom in Yonkers. Given the way the rest of the superheroes seem to act, it doesn't seem and, like it's too far from the truth. And given what we see him doing later on. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah he so had yeah, to be, just... He was just naked in Yonkers perving yeah. on the lady and happened to stop a home invasion. That's what we reckon anyway. But that's yeah, it's one of uh, it's as a, it's just a transition really into the next scene, which is Huey back in work, and we get our introduction to Billy Butcher, and oh yeah, like, what a fun with the nanny cram, yeah, shaking. How, how many n- nannies shake their babies? Yeah, and what I I like about his little speech about you know using fear to sell loads of stuff, and obviously he's thinking it then to superheroes you know what I mean people are afraid of, of all the things that are mm. random and superheroes give them a sense of security but he's totally using that fear of superheroes against Yui mm. as well to get him on board well that's a, that's kind of what I read from it but yeah the baby shaking speech is, is fun mm. <laughs> and we get the, the classic and Yui's line. just like what <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who but- are you I know this is Brooklyn. Please leave. Yeah, Huey kind of reluctantly follows him along when when Butcher tells him what he's actually there for. Says he's a fed, that he keeps an eye on the soups. He knows what happened to Robin. He knows the story about, you know, that he knows the deal. Yeah, so he's pretty upfront with him and says, you know, let's, I want to show you something. So they go off. We get a couple of choice lines like... I don't want to go to a secondary location with you. <laughs> yeah, or Huey telling uh, Butcher that he looks like a porn version of the Matrix. Hey, George. <laughs> it's a brilliant line. But he explains to Huey that there's a shitload of, of collateral damage like Robin that happens that nobody hears about. Because they cover it up. They cover it up because it's it's not good for the bottom line. And we get that lovely little Times Square scene where you see all mm. the various members of the Seven and their various sponsorship deals and movies and stuff yeah no um, it is it's, it's a brilliant visual representation of exact of corporate American greed yeah followed up by a lovely little scene of, of superhero excesses when they go into the nightclub oh the night oh my god can I just point out that there's a beautiful little moment in that nightclub sequence which is black noir just like there's all this like mad debauchery and if you've read the comic books it's very much a reference to herogasm and like it's debauchery and there's like flying sex and tiny guys jumping into things and like stretchy people using their weird bodies in stretchy ways and then in the midst of all this is black noir body popping just Just dancing away it's 
fucking brilliant. I really enjoy Black Noir as a character. He's amazing. And that's our first like on screen shot of him. I yeah. Think. So if you don't know who it is, it's just this guy who looks like a fucking ninja turtle. And it's a split second shot. Really. Yeah, and he's just like in the corner, just boogieing away, just minding his own business. And there's like all this other mad shit going on around. Yeah, there's him. the the Ant Man guy jumping into a lady's vagina. There's people having sex in the air. Yeah. We see Ezekiel doing his stretchy man witch thing. Mm. It's really funny because you have to like step over him because <laughs> he's taking up the aisle, which is just bad etiquette. Yeah, so we're starting to properly see that the the, the depths of depravity that the superheroes are happy to go to can, and they keep can out get of the away with eye. it. Yeah. But yeah, it is the kind of like this is the seeded, sordid underbelly of what's going on, and soups know about this. And there's like obviously the the people and the prostitutes and everything that work there. I assume they're prostitutes. I I really hope they were getting paid for that. Um, you know, there, there's this whole seedy underbelly to what's going on that seems to be kind of fairly not broad knowledge, but it it's there. They're not yeah. actively hiding it. But yeah, we see the club and then we see the uh, aftermath of what's happened to Starlight. And she's well, no, like up. in the club, they're there like to get their surveillance footage of... Because A-Train's there. And oh, A-Train's been there the night before. And they're watching the surveillance footage of where he's talking. About yeah, he to laugh through Robin. And saying he, he ran through her so hard he swallowed one of her teeth. And just to reiterate, it, it's just to reinforce how little they value human life. Yeah. Or the common person, anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Then we see we see. So this cute starlight puking in a toilet. Yeah, and we get kind of well reintroduced to Maeve beyond the the first scene, mm. where she's not particularly nice to Starlight, but she's certainly nicer than she is in the first. Oh God! Yeah. Introduction in the comics when she basically just throws some tissue at her, tells her to clean herself up and not to let. Never let them see. Never you let like them this. see you like this. So yeah, advice, but not really. Nice. Yeah, it's very backhanded. A, you can kind of see that she does. She does care about. It. She's like she doesn't want it to happen to her. But at the same time, she's not going to go wave away and befriend her because. Yeah, it's kind it, of it. For God's sake, clean yourself up. She's kind of very thing. jaded as a character. She is yeah. just like, ugh, for fuck's sake. And she, uh, before she leaves, she calls throws, translucent a pervert, throws a towel that just hangs and, on nothing for a second. It's a tissue. The tissue, sorry, yeah. and translucent then materialises and kind of goes uh, and shuffles out of the bathroom but again but naked yeah for the sheer amount of nudity that is in the show it is almost exclusively all male full frontal nudity oh yeah there's, there's loads of man butt and, and there's a lot of dick a lot of, yeah there's a lot of dick <laughs> and as you said full frontal and no female nudity. No, which is and nice. It's just hilarious. It's very, very refreshing. Um, Especially when you consider your Game of Thrones and that sort of show that yeah. was like tits and violence. Yeah, oh Game of Thrones especially was all like boobs. Yeah. Boobs and blood and gore. Um yeah. That's the kind of I think your fur first like full full frontal shot of the show is translucent. Mm. Just being like, sorry, I'm in the ladies' room again. Yeah. Like, that's where the whole, he was perving on the mother and Yonkers theory came from. Pretty much, Because yeah. <laughs> he just seems to hang out naked in bathrooms. He's basically every teenage boy's dream come true. Like, 
Yeah. You can say, ask any teenage boy, what would they do if they could be invisible? They would hang out in the girl's bathroom. And yeah. that's what he does. <laughs> and the next bathroom scene that we see is follow- or following on from that is when Huey is... Oh, no, sorry. It's not... That's not... It's then. An, no, that's the after it. Yeah, sorry. It's Huey and Butcher sitting in the bar where he's trying to convince them to go oh, right. into Vought and, well, take the money from Vought, go in and plant a bug for him. Yeah. So he can... Huey freaks out a little bit, says that he can't do it. And Huey freaks out well and often. He does. But he does He does play like the big, a, a good freak out. He's like up, almost up at like Gene Wilder, like freak oh, out well, ability. Bit, fantastic bit at the end of the episode. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> Eventually. Where were we? At bar, freak out. Oh yeah, so he freaks out and kind of runs away saying, no, I don't think I can do this. And uh, we're then reintroduced to Madeline Stillwell. Having the scene with the the mayor. Oh yes, the mayor selling of Baltimore. Selling him the, or proposing to sell him the superhero. Well, you rent them, essentially. Yeah. And that's another just kind of brilliant bit of like corporate takedown. Yeah. And we get the first hint of V being mentioned as well. Yeah. When the mayor says, you know, I've heard the rumours about V and uh, tries to basically blackmail his way into a cheaper price for the superhero. Doesn't go anywhere. Madeline denies all knowledge and says, you know, nope, the price is what it is. Mm. And that's, it's a short little scene, but we get, as the mayor drops the line about V, we hear a little whoosh in the background. And if you're, well, if you're quick, you'll see Homelander floating outside the window behind. Oh no, he just goes past. That's what the little whoosh noise is. Yeah. flying past. That, That little whoosh noise, that was me turning a page on my notes. And then we get the scene that's almost directly out of the comics, the park bench scene. Oh, yeah. And he's talking to her mom and she's trying to explain what happened to her. But her mom's so excited. Oh, she's so excited about the fact that her daughter's in the seven, but she can't tell anybody. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Annie wants to unload and kind of tell her mom what's happened. But realizes her mom either doesn't care or is is too wrapped up in her own excitement. Decides not to, ends the phone call and kind of breaks down. And we realise that Huey's sitting beside her. Yeah, it pans out and he's sitting there like looking a little bit concerned. It's a nice scene and I have to say it's nice or it's much sweeter than in the comics. Mm. In the comics it's really just, they sit down and they just they just chat to as two random people on the park bench. They don't kind of have this strangers heart to heart Yeah, that they have in the show and it's it's really nice. There's a couple of sweet bits about Huey where he's reminiscing about, he doesn't say, but it's obviously about Robin. Yeah. And that he kind of gives Starlight a, a you know, a moral boost through his story about Robin. Mm. And it is as much, much sweeter. And you have the great line about kids selling smack. Nick. Listen, do, do you like your job? It's the only thing I've ever wanted. It's a good job. Like you're not selling kids smack. <laughs> you can just see in his face halfway through. He's like, "Why am I saying this? Please yeah, make me stop saying this." Just perfect delivery on that one. It really is. Um. So Huey decides he feels a little bit empowered or whatever by that meeting. Decides he's in. He's gonna help Huey or gonna help Billy plant the bug. Starlight goes back to the seven for her first meeting with the the, the rest whole, of the yeah. superheroes. Where we get another bit that's almost ripped straight from the comics where they're all arguing about 
merchandising rights and, and, and why, pirated why, material. Why, 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 why is Translucent Invisible in that scene? Because it's funnier to see the floating, glasses. the floating pen and the floating glasses. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're all fighting over residuals and who has how many points and stuff like that. And Homelander's like, hey, this isn't what we're about. I want to hear about how many people you've saved. Yeah. And it's all very suave and he does the look and just Anthony Starr is just like... Well, because up to this point we haven't really good seen... as him. Beyond Homelander's lack of caring for how he dealt with the robbers at the start we haven't seen him do anything particularly bad no so for him to act like that is still kind of in character mm. you know we know he's we know he's putting on a show but Starlight doesn't necessarily know that yet that he just wants everything to seem yeah perfect yeah. you know what I mean ever ever the company man and then we get one of my favourite bits in, in, in the show or in the episode the line about the the blue pill and the red pill. Oh, yeah. The and the blue trackers. pill or the red pill. Oh, I don't know. Just quit being a cunt. Which <laughs> pill do you want me to take? Just quit being a cunt. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Before Huey goes in, plants the bug, meets, well, meets A-Train, plants the bug. Yeah. Gets seen by Translucent. Who follows him. Yeah, follows him home and we get a particularly fun fight scene. Well, sorry, follows him back to work. Yeah. Um, I do like how Huey just gets dropped off outside his work and he's like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> you or Billy's just like, yeah, well. Get I'm, out. <laughs> get out. I'm done with you. Yeah. Used and dropped off. See you later. And yeah, as I say, we get the, the fight scene then between, well, it's not much of a fight scene. Translucent just. Translucent coming in, well, he comes in completely naked, beats the absolute living daylights out of him and then is hit by a car. Yeah. And it is, it's a beautiful scene though. Like it is, it's hilarious because he's completely invisible for the whole fucking thing. Yeah. You've got the great line then from when Butcher realises that if he spits on him, he can spit blood on him and he can see him. And he's oh. got that real, like I, everybody knows that one guy who's had one too many beers and is now wants to fight everybody. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he has, has that look of... He just... has whiskey anger look, like the, the psycho <laughs> yeah. eyes and the I will nut you and I don't care. He's a t- he, t- he turns into Begbie, if you've ever seen Train Spotting. Yeah. Robert Carlyle's it's Begbie. That, yeah, it's that I'm when just... he throws the pint glass. It's that look of just, I'm going to fuck shit up. And he it does. Is. It's a beautiful fight scene. It's, it's so well shot. Yeah, it they, is. It's great. They put in a ton of effort. Like there's there's bits kind of in the the Amazon X-ray where they tell you kind of how they put that shot together, mm. and they use like uh, and it's to London Calling as well, which is just fantastic. Yeah. When you start out with the baseball, like it's how you hitting him with the tire iron. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm here to fuck you up. <laughs> so yeah, they eventually get the best of them. With a cable to the butt cheek, yeah, and you get to see them. electrocuted, wibbly, invisible butt cheeks, which is hilarious no but I particularly like then when he's like a carbon skin I saw it on Jimmy Fallon oh that bit's great no when he finds out that when Huey finds out that Billy's not actually a fed he's you know he's like you're a fed just just call them and, and get this all cleaned up and he's like well I'm not actually a fed and he just freaks out <laughs> and it is you're right it's Gene Wilder-esque just you know hysterical I'm mania. wet I'm wet <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he plays it so well and that's no, that's not the the last scene in the, in the show is the back on the airplane with the um, oh mayor no no we missed we missed when Stillwell calls back the mayor and says offers them the lower price and basically says you know those rumors are completely untrue but you know don't spread them effectively yeah. 
And then we get the fight scene between Translucent and Huey and Butcher. And then, yeah, the last scene is... Uh, them on the plane. Them and on he's the there plane. with the kid. And it, he, the kid's got like a signed picture from Homelander. And he's all excited. And then they see something out of the cabin window. And then Homelander lasers the shit out of the plane. Yeah, and that's the end of the episode. So that's the first kind of hint that you get that something's like really not well, right with Homelander. A bit like more that than it, a hint it, to yeah, be but like it, But like uh, given the way the episode ends, you're kind of going if you hadn't if they didn't include that phone call from Silwell saying it was a lower price. Yeah, you it, think it maybe it. it was a hit that she had ordered him to take it out because they knew about V and they're trying to cover that up. No, but I think, the phone call implies then that Homelander's acting of his own accord. I, I took it as the the first time we watched it, I took it as being the other way around. That that phone call sets up that she's like, she's not happy about it, but she knows he knows about V, mm. so she wants him to be taken out. But and then, then why would you why would you offer episode. him the lower price, though? Um, Just to make him think like he's... In case he runs off to try and say it to anybody in the meantime. Not, well, if you're going to blow him out of the sky about 30 seconds later, why would you bother? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, as it turns out, it, she has nothing to do with it. Yeah. But um, it's a particularly nice way to go out to end the first episode. Mm. It, yeah, like we said from kind of the start, it it's a really, really good intro into the world of the boys. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic first episode. Well, I think. <laughs> it is. Like, it gives you... It, in terms of immersion into the environment, you're getting mm. it from all angles. Like from up at the very, very top with Vod, who are the leaders in the game, and the Seven, who are like obviously the the main, like they are the, the crown jewel, as Vod call them, mm. to the really sleazy dark side of superheroes with the club and the collateral damage. And the, I... They I, do look at everything to... They give you everything in that first episode to go, this is the universe that we're playing in. Yeah. Do you want to join us? Yeah, I like how they don't overload you either with characters in the first episode. No. Just, there's a, there is a lot of characters in the show, but we're just basically introduced to the seven. Yeah. Some in more detail than others, but you get to see pretty much all of the seven. Mm. Madeline still well, and then basically just Huey and Butcher yeah we don't worry about any of the rest of the boys and I like how they set it up then going forward that it's kind of one episode per mm. member of the boys as sort they go of. around and recruit them well because you get Frenchie in the second episode yeah no, they pick up Mother's and Milk then too I think that's the it might be the very end but yeah it yeah. kind of goes along like that way like that it feels like it is it's a Frenchie pre- yeah, then, there's a progression then the female through, like yeah they and is, that's it's when you're getting building in. the team yeah they build it up then so we've seen Vought's side and we've seen the start of the opposition to Vought. And then we start to see the rest of it. Like, Yeah. I mean, obviously I can't can't give you oh, reactions because we've watched the show so many times. Yeah. But thinking back on the first time we watched it, I know we were... The first season came out all eight episodes at once, didn't it? No, I think it was half... No, that's what they did with the I think we season. waited. I can't remember. We were like, fuck it, we'll case, wait. We certainly we'll watch the whole first season in one go mm. because it it is only the six is it six or eight episodes eight episodes yeah it was like well, the eight episodes we'll wait until they're all out and then you know mm. but we even then we didn't we didn't binge it as I remember specifically remember as soon as the first episode finished we stopped it and we're like 
yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're not just going to go straight into the next episode. We need to talk about what we just watched. And then going around in, like, work or with friends and people who hadn't watched it and being like, oh, why haven't you watched this? I need to talk about this with you. Which yeah. is where this podcast came from, is our, our innate desire, need. Yeah, we talk an awful lot about to, this show. Yeah, discuss this at length. This and, like, Stargate, basically. Yeah, yeah. Before before the boys came along, we were just we we talk about Stargate till the cows came home, as yeah. they say. That's probably our other biggest nerdy obsession. Mm. Oh, I'm sure we'll end up talking about Stargate at yeah. some point. But I think that about wraps it up for the first episode. Boys, name of the game. Yeah. Unless there's anything else. No, no. It is. It's like it is. Um, wank. It's not wank. How dare you? No, uh, in in terms of introduction to a world, it's done incredibly well. It is. Everybody's very very grounded in real life. Yeah. Even the like insane characters are still grounded. Yeah, we see it more as the show goes on that they do. They try to, yeah, ground ground them is the is the exact right word, mm. and they do a really really good job of it. And <clears throat> yeah, I just I can't praise this opener highly no. enough. But we will talk a little bit more about openers in our little side chat. So tune back in for that. Until then, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.